So Washington State and Oregon State have to stay in the pack too. They can't come to the Big 12. They have no power. They can't go to the college football playoff. This is done, right? If you're a reader, you probably saw that. Wrong. Not true. This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Everybody, welcome into Locked On Big 12. I'm Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas. Thank you for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. I told you the last couple of days I've been dealing with pneumonia and poison ivy, uh, and I was tired of doing bad shows. So I got a shot in the butt. We're freaking ready to go. I'm not going to sleep for 48 hours, and today's show is going to be informative and electric. Let's start here. I'm reading through, I'll call him, I'll call, I, I'm not call him out, but I'll say his name, Ross Dellinger. I'm reading his stuff. Brian Immaculate, who joined a couple weeks back to talk Washington State, Oregon State, actually sent this to me and said, hey, Dellinger's wrong here. Dellinger's misleading. And you probably read the title of my show today and thought, huh, interesting. It matches up. If you read his article, it matches up with his title that Oregon State and Washington State are done. The Pac-2 cannot go to the college football playoff because the college football playoff committee has met and they have talked about changing from a 6 plus 6 format, from a power 6 plus 6 bids to a 5 plus 7 format. And while that's in in the, the in talks, right, the six plus six was power five conference champions. And then the best group of five are locks. You are in the college football playoff in a 12 team playoff in a five plus seven power four conference champions. And then the best at the best team that's in a group of five or group of whatever conference right now would go in. And if you just read the headlines, if you just read the, the couple paragraphs there, you would think, huh. Official. They did the thing that makes sense. It would, hear me out, it would make the most sense to not allow Washington State and Oregon State an automatic bid in the college football playoff. There's no way, right? It's dumbfounding to think that we could let two teams, just two teams, one of those two in a champion decided on their own, duke it out for a spot in the college football playoff while everybody else has to go through a complete conference. So on paper, you read the headline and fine. You think they don't have any power. You think there's no way they have any leverage to get to the Big 12 because they can't be an automatic player in the college football playoff. But you are wrong. And here is what, to me, brings back in the conversation these two teams being in the Big 12 conference. Kirk Schultz, the president of Washington State, has power. He has prowess. He has a vote, a vote that changes everything. He said he sits down in these meetings, these college football playoff committee meetings, and his one vote cancels out everything. If all of these people sit down to vote to say that Washington State, his own team, cannot vie for a college football playoff, he will vote no, right? Wouldn't you? You're the president of a university. You get a vote that says your university can either be in a good position or a bad position. What would you do? It's common sense. The only way, the only way that Kirk Schultz, the president at Washington State, is going to allow the college football playoff committee to go from a six plus six format to a five plus seven format is if there is some form of negotiation. What does that mean? Let me unpack it. That means Washington State is in the Big 12. That means Oregon State along with them is in the Big 12. That negotiation is not, oh, could you guys barter? Could, we, could you pay me some money? Let's do cash considerations for us being in the, out of the college football playoff in our own little zone over here. I, I am a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that Washington State and Oregon State will not be in the Big 12 next year. I don't think it's going to happen. It could. It's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's not. Uh, okay, that was a confusing little sentence, a little spurt there. 
I'm not going to say there's a hundred percent certainty. I have hundred percent certainty in anything here, especially them not being in the conference. I will say I'm heavily leaning toward that not being the case. 90% sure that will not be the case moving past next season though, because of course you got to already create your schedules moving past next season though. That's when more of it opens up to, okay, Kirk Schultz is still batting stuff down. And if he denies this in the six plus six format stays, listen to this, listen to this. This is what you bring to the water cooler. This is the piece of information that matters the most right here. If Kirk Schultz votes everything down and leaves it at a six plus six format, there is a grace period that keeps the Pac-12 alive. With that grace period, the six plus six format, one of either Oregon State or Washington State, the winning team will go to the college football playoff. And by rule, what is written right now, that's what's going to happen. And the only way to change that rule, listen, the only way to change that rule is for Kirk Schultz, the president of Washington State, who's on the committee to vote differently, to vote in a way that harms his school. And again, I'm trying to be succinct here. The only way he would vote in a way that would harm his school or in a way that goes against them having a bid to the college football playoff is if somebody bends, somebody breaks and says, fine, let's give you some sort of package deal. Let's make sure we appease you, Kirk Schultz, so we can move to the much more reasonable five plus seven. It makes sense to me. Five plus seven is what it should be. There are four power conferences. And sure, let the best group of five team in. That's great. Bring in an Air Force. Give them a shot. You know, that that is vital. The new commissioner, this new whatever committee board chair said, vital to the growth of the college football playoff. I don't give a rat's butt. Right now, what I care about, what I care about is moving into a 5-7 format, bring in whatever automatic qualifier you want from the group of five, who cares? The other four, that's how it should be. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want Oregon State and Washington State duking it out with everything on the line, them going to a college football playoff on the line, when teams that are sitting, I mean, they might finish at 7-5. and five. They might finish at 7-5 and five and be in the college football playoff because that's the rule it's written. And right now, it doesn't match the current scenario we're in in college football. But there is no way to change that when every vote has to be unanimous with the college football playoff committee. And one of those votes is the president of one of these schools. So this misleading headline, this article that says, yeah, they're going to move to a 5 plus 7 format, is burying the lead here. It's giving you a title that says, Soon there is a plan. There is a there's a motion. There's there's you know they're on the doorstep of moving formats and not allowing Oregon State and Washington State in. And these teams don't have any any power. It's wrong. It's wrong. I told I, I said this last week. If you're an everyday, or if you keep coming back, if you're a Washington State, an Oregon State fan, if you're a, a Baylor fan, if you're a Texas Tech fan, if you're a BYU fan, a Utah fan, an Arizona fan, any of these fans, UCF fan, and you keep coming back. I've told you there's just as much likelihood right now as there was a month and a half ago that these two teams will be in the Big 12. After hearing stuff like this, after considering what Kirk Schultz has the power to do, I'm even more confident that there is leverage. It's that word I'm going to go back to, leverage, for those two teams to get in. And it it just, look, I, I get it, right? I'm in media. I've been in media. I have, you know... This is the, the wildest year of the Big 12 since I've covered it. This is the wildest year of the Big 12 since it, it was down to 10 teams you know, a decade ago, since before it was at 10 teams. And I've seen a ton of poppy headlines. I've seen a ton of... I, I make poppy headlines myself. I want you to click on my stuff. But don't be misled. 
Don't be misled. Those two schools have just as much power and the power to vote their way. They hold one precious vote. This is the last infinity stone for those of you that that makes sense to the little ring from the scaly skinny guy that needs it. What is that? This is that. And Kirk Schultz holds it. And unless you put him in a conference, he's keeping that ring. Or stone, whatever. Make sense? Fires me up, man. I don't know if that's the shot in my butt or just, you know, passion. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Coming up next, every Big 12 title scenario. This is Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, and when? Every day. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is where I go to make money. Passive income, baby. Last night, watching college basketball, and I decided, you know what? 15 minutes to go in this Penn and Villanova game. I'm going to throw $20 live on Penn to win this game and watch it. I just, it brings the game to life for me. And it did. And Penn won. I won 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Thank you, FanDuel. Scoring this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. That's right. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use with spreads, player props, over unders, and more. Download the app. Or visit FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, folks. It's the best place to go to make money. And there's no better time to get in on the action with the wide range of betting options at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So many scenarios to break down in the, in, in the Big 12 right now. By the way, I think today's episode, I'm, I'm going to go down and mark this in can. I think today's episode is going to have the most juice, the most information, the best podcast of Locked On Big 12 yet. So bear with me here because there's a lot to unpack, but I'm going to try to do it in a way that makes sense. If I had to pick today who's going to play for a Big 12 championship, I do think Kansas State finds its way in. I do still think Kansas State finds its way in despite that loss to Texas a couple of weeks ago, and they likely get a rematch against Texas. UT controls its own destiny. Here is what I'm rooting for, though. And I want you to get behind this as well. Texas to lose to Iowa State. And then in the event of Texas losing to Iowa State, we have a better chance of keeping Texas out. I mean, really, if we want to just eliminate Texas altogether, we need them to lose to Iowa State and Texas Tech. I don't think they're going to lose to Tech. I think Tech got a little swagger back with Baron Morton returning and then beating Kansas, but I still don't have a lot of passion, fervor, uh, trust in what Joey McGuire has done this season. Right now, though, I agree with a guy like Matthew Postens, who's a great Big 12 writer, who says Iowa State took, he says it took 10 minutes to look at, and every team is semi screwed that has two losses. Oklahoma State has a great path to win. They have a great shot to go to the Big 12 championship. I think they can. They have that tiebreaker over Kansas State. I still don't know if I can trust them after the UCF loss. So I'm putting my eggs in the Kansas State-Texas basket. But here are some dream, weird, funky scenarios. Texas has that pass. But if they lose to Iowa State, now we can consider Iowa State into the Big 12 championship. Because they have the win over Oklahoma State, who has the win over Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma has the win over Iowa State. So then we got to factor in who's got the opponent what. And of all the five and two teams right now, Kansas State has the edge because they have the best record against common opponents. What does that mean? Great question. It, it doesn't 
the best, they have the best record against common opponents, which is one thing you got to pull this, pull that, you got to pull this. We talked about the seven scenarios now the coin flip the Big 12 can go with. It is bonkers. And we still, two weeks out, two weeks, we have two more Saturdays of action, and we still just don't know. We are down to number three win percentage against common, common conference opponents in the tiebreaker list. And that third bullet goes to Kansas State as it sits. That's good for them. For Texas, what do you need to do? You need to win out. But with that game at Iowa State, now if Iowa State wins, you've got an actual opportunity to go to the Big 12 championship game. You need to win and you need to have Oklahoma lose once. And then it's a moot point. You've already beaten. You've already beaten Oklahoma State. You've got to, you hold that tiebreaker over Oklahoma State. You can do that, that loss to Kansas, a bad one. Oh, if you get them a week earlier and their quarterback's injured, they're down to the third stringer, you got a much better chance. But you need to beat Texas. You need to beat Texas. And you got a real, you got a real shot of doing it. You create a winner take all game with Kansas State on November 25th. If, if Iowa State wins this week, you create a playoff into the Big 12 championship next week at Kansas State. The way those two teams are playing, I again, I still give Kansas State the edge. But we saw what Iowa State did 10 years ago. Now more than 10 years ago. Why right, baby, to knock off Oklahoma State. Rising to the occasion in games they're not supposed to be in, in games they're not supposed to win, where they are the, the underdog team. Can they do it this week? Probably. I, I God, I hope so. A night game in Ames, weird things happen. Night game in Ames, weird things happen. But then you got to do it against Kansas State. And that's why I have, I have Kansas State winning that game. But if what, what, if what we could see this week is Iowa State beating Texas, dropping them to 6-2, and two, if we could somehow create Oklahoma State, Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. And this is going to take a bit because remember, Oklahoma State has that tiebreaker over Kansas State, and that could complicate things when we get to the doorstep. Texas has that tiebreaker over Kansas State. That's going to complicate things when we get to the doorstep. But if we can create that matchup, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, I will be the happiest camper to absolutely ever exist. And it's right here in front of us. There is a way to get to that. For Oklahoma, they need to win out. They need Texas to win out. And they need Oklahoma State to lose once. They might be the hottest ticket in the Big 12 at this point. Just, you talk about who's the best team in the Big 12. On paper, computer generated, who wins a majority of the matchups? Probably Oklahoma. Texas right there with them. Jonathan Brooks now out with the torn ACL. Oklahoma to me is that next team. They got BYU on the road to you at home. Those should both be wins. They have a tiebreaker over Texas, a tiebreaker over Iowa State. They need to win out. They need Texas to win out and have Oklahoma State lose once. That's where the issue becomes. I don't know that Texas is going to win out. I don't know that Oklahoma State is going to lose one of its next two games. I told you I don't know if I can trust them right now, but at the same time, their ease of schedule is right there. It's just, they shouldn't have an issue. Again, if it's a computer, if we're doing it on paper, they shouldn't have an issue. Talk about Kansas State. The reason I like them so much is because I think Iowa State can beat Texas this week. I'm hoping Iowa State can beat Texas this week. There are a myriad of teams. There's such a traffic jam. With Oklahoma State at five and two, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas, all those teams at five and two, Texas at six and one. But with what UT has on the cusp with that Iowa State game, I think they'll be Texas Tech with the Iowa State game. There's a shot here. What do I, where do I call my shot? What do I say right now? I think it's going to be Texas, Texas and Kansas State. That said, 
You ready for this? This is what you bring to the water cooler. The most likely matchup in the Big 12 championship as it sits right now, mathematically, when you talk about opponent, strength of opponent, strength of um, you know conference record against common opponents, Kansas State has the keys to its own destiny. They went out. They should be okay. Texas, obviously the key to its destiny. If they went out, they will be okay, finishing at 11-1 and one, and still be in a conversation for a college football playoff. That's not off the table. I would hate it a little bit. But it's possible. So now, in all this madness, all this craziness, I predict it to be Texas and Kansas State. Come next week, the conversation is going to be a lot different. And there's a lot to monitor here. Because what happens if Oklahoma State comes out and they drop a game next week to Houston on the road, which would be devastating. What happens if Oklahoma comes out and somehow loses to BYU on the road? That would be devastating. Iowa State beats Texas. Then Texas loses to Texas Tech. That'd be awesome. Lots to unpack there, man. Isn't it fun to listen to? Just the possibilities. I it's fun for me. again. Could just be the butt shot talking, but it's fun for me. Not like a not that kind of butt shot, like a the needle. That coming up, Baylor and TCU dropped the ball at, at big time. This locked on Big Twelve part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's show brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is where I go to buy tickets all the time. Last minute price, last minute prices, last minute tickets, the best prices every single time that I go to Game Time. Look, the Game Time app is where you need to go for those last minute best prices. Uh, the reason I use it is because I can do zone deals. And with a zone deal, with a zone deal, and you use code locked on for $20 off, a zone deal, you say, look, I'm going to circle this little spot. And then you give me the tickets in this little spot. And I get a discount because it's in a zone. I don't get to, I don't get to pick the seat, but I get to see kind of what the zone looks like. Speaking of, they let you see your seat. Game time will let you see your seat when you sign up the app today. Again, you use code locked on at game time. Download the game time app. You can get $20 off. If you want to go to an NHL game and tickets are 15 bucks, you're going to see the Arizona Coyotes. That's fine and dandy. Then if it's a $20 game, you get in for free at game time. That's right. Game time. Download the app today. Use code locked on. Take your 20 bucks. Baylor and TCU more than dropped the ball. They put naming Texas oldest rivalry in the hands of some student government nerds. I myself was a three-time class officer at Baylor, two-time class president, one-time vice president, ran unopposed one time, twice maybe. And I can tell you this, there's some goofy dudes in student government, and we passed the torch to those guys. To create a rivalry name that stinks. They're calling it the Blue Bonnet Battle. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Isn't it already the revivalry? Which is funny because there's like the revival side of it in two kind of Christian schools. One school Christian, one school less so. And there's the rivalry is revived as well, you know, from when they had the height. And there are levels to this. This is good rivalry. There's a logo for it. Baylor.edu has already endorsed it. They have posts about it. Nope. And we're not even going to reference the fact that we've thrown away an entire, uh, an entire rivalry name. Now, I don't think that Baylor and TCU is to the level of the Red River rivalry or the Holy War, Paul Bunyan's Axe. Couldn't even tell you who plays in Paul Bunyan's Axe, by the way. Maybe Wisconsin, Minnesota. I can tell you this, though. There was already a name for it. What if tomorrow they said, hey, look, BYU, Utah, the student government people got together. And they decided we're going to change the name of your rivalry and create a trophy out of paper mache. 
that is baffling. I, I just to me it shows a it shows a lack of respect. This is a, this is real. I'm being legit about this. It shows a lack of respect to alumni, to students. You didn't incorporate the voice of of the public. You didn't let them vote. You just said, "Hey, here's what we're going to call this age-old rivalry, the oldest rivalry in Texas, the the longest continually played rivalry in the state of Texas." We, this, you know, one year of elect- electorate student government group, we're going to name it. There you go. They just do a damn time capsule. Do a damn time capsule like everybody else does and open it in 50 years. No, oh, we student government did our part. They unveiled the trophy. That didn't go over very well. Then Baylor. So here's just wild pieces to un- unpack here. Baylor, the official Baylor account won't post about it. They don't they won't do it. They won't do it. DCU's official account posted about it and got fired, roasted. There were like 15 retweets, 150 quote tweets. And if you know Twitter, that's not a good thing. Cyclone Larry got in on the action. I was vehement. This was my own personal Super Bowl. What are we doing with this? I just, I don't understand how, you know, I think it's a lack of knowledge of history, right? To call it the Blue Bonnet Bowl as well, because you got Revivalry, which adds in a fun little twist for each school. Blue Bonnets grow everywhere, right? North Texas could play SMU and that'd be the Blue Bonnet Bowl. Why? Because Blue Bonnets exist. I don't know. That's exactly the, the same reasoning they have for calling this the Blue Bonnet Bowl. Guess how many times I've driven to a Baylor TCU football game and seen Blue Bonnets? Zero. Absolutely zero. The same amount of times that I've kissed a girl. Because they don't grow in the fall. This has nothing to do. You know, I was in the Zoom call. I was in the Zoom call when we did a Zoom call press conference with the student government members from both schools, and they drug the head coaches into this. Two head coaches who are going through terrible seasons who need to be at the whiteboard right now, and they put them in this meeting with a bunch of kids and the athletic directors. Best part, they open up the press conference. TCU kid goes, uh, hello, everyone. Glad to have you all here. Sadly, our director of athletics, Jeremiah Donati, could not join us today. I wonder why. He has better things to do. There's paint to watch dry. And they... Sh- then and nobody's going to ask him a tough question. So I finally spoke up and said, why? Why wouldn't you just call us a revivalry? It's already got a name. And the kid was like, yeah, well, you know, we thought about making it unique to both schools. No, you didn't. And then he said, I, I'm from Texas and I saw blue bonnets on the side of the road growing up. Okay. I see dead armadillos all the time. We don't call the dead armadillo bowl. I see coyotes. Hell, coyote bowl would have been way cooler than this. What about the Kalachi Kerfuffle? There are so many better names. So many better names than what they went with. Now, again, the official TCU accounts posted about this. Baylor did not. When Nikki Kyle and the Baylor basketball coach opened her press conference today, she said, the Blue Bonnet battle doesn't sound real tough. When Dave Aranda was asked about it, he chuckled. The nicest man on earth giggled at your silly little idea to change history. He giggled and said, I see why they did it. It's a beautiful depiction. It just is interesting when you consider it with football blue bonnets don't fire me up for anything when baylor student government posted about it it's so obvious there are like 15 positive comments and 100 negative comments all the 15 positive comments are go StuGov, yes StuGov, let's go slay queen and if you click on those profiles on student government they're all the ones that were told to do that by the student government do you remember who who did you hate the most i was i was one of these people i was in student government I looked around the room and was like, oh my gosh. That was usually not a very cool group of people. And you were probably in school and you're like, oh, the false sense of power those kids have. I was one of those people. And we're letting them name a whole bowl game? Not good. 
Not good. Dave Aranda saying it's interesting when it's mixed with football. There was already a name for this. It was the rivalry. Nobody's going to call it the Blue Bonnet Bowl. And and maybe you're mad at me. You're like, oh, this guy's he's dogging on these kids, man, who put so much time and effort. If I spend four months writing an 80-page thesis and the thesis sucks, the thesis sucks. It doesn't matter how much effort I put in there. If my thesis is stupid, my thesis is stupid. Just because you put in effort doesn't make it good. No one's going to call this the blue bonnet battle. It is bad. And it should, there should have been some sort of checks and balances. The alumni should have been able to vote. Somebody should have been in on this to help name it. I can only hope that Baylor wins the trophy, accidentally drops it, and breaks it everywhere. It, though it might not break, many are saying it's paper mache. I just, oh, seriously? I, all, the, all of the flack it's getting is warranted. National flack and attention is warranted. There's already a name. Create a trophy. That's great. Don't rename it something stupid generic that has no bearing on the actual matchup. Oh, we're going to name it the Blue Bonnet Bowl because there are Blue Bonnets in this state. Hmm. Great. What? That does that no, no kind of representation of the schools of the matchup at all? None of that? I would rather just call it Baylor TC. point. Ah, you know, I got a shot in the butt. I did. I got a shot in the butt. I was feeling better. Now I'm sick again. Now I'm sick again because of this. And my poison ivy's flaring up. The blue bonnet battle, that's bad and silly. And whoever did it shouldn't anymore. Take it away. Baylor hasn't posted about it. They won't recognize it. I hope not. Get another shot in the butt now. This has been, it always will be. I told you today I'd be fired up. Hopefully I'm better tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Locked on. Thank you for making it your first listen every single day. Dose Grande.